Hello everyone and welcome to This Mom Loves. I'm Kate Wynn. I'm a kindergarten teacher, a mom of two girls, a writer, blogger, TV guest, and podcaster. And you are listening to episode 55 of the show. Today in my favorite things, I'll be sharing two great thrillers that I've recently read, as well as a website that I love to use for graphic design. In the lifestyle segment, I will be talking about an Instagram account that I launched through COVID that I'd like to talk to you about today. And my very special guest later in the show is Dr. Liza Egboga. So she is a manual osteopath, a chiropractor, clinic director of The Fix in Toronto. She's the designer of Dr. Liza Shoes. Dr. Liza has met and worked with many celebrities in, uh, in her professional realm. She's also a mom, and she'll be here to talk about all of those things, as well as being a Black woman and her experiences of racism and some thoughts about current events. You'll definitely want to wait around for that. Starting with my favorite things, there are two books I want to recommend to you. In the last few episodes, I've kind of branched out a little bit, a bit of nonfiction, a bit of general fiction, some different things, back to share a couple of thrillers in this episode. So the first one is called The Last Mrs. Parrish by Liv Constantine. Amber Patterson is fed up. She's tired of being a nobody, a plain, invisible woman who blends into the background. She deserves more, a life of money and power like the one blonde-haired, blue-eyed goddess Daphne Parrish takes for granted. To everyone in the exclusive town of Bishop's Harbor, Connecticut, Daphne, a socialite and philanthropist, and her real estate mogul husband Jackson are a couple straight out of a fairy tale. Amber's envy could eat her alive if she didn't have a plan. Amber uses Daphne's compassion and caring to insinuate herself into the family's life, the first step in a meticulous scheme to undermine her. Before long, Amber is Daphne's closest confidant, traveling to Europe with the parishes and their lovely young daughters and growing closer to Jackson. But a skeleton from her past may undermine everything that Amber has worked towards, and if it is discovered, her well-laid plan may fall to pieces. With shocking turns and dark secrets that will keep you guessing until the very end, The Last Mrs. Parrish is a fresh, juicy, and utterly addictive thriller from a diabolically imaginative talent. That was The Last Mrs. Parrish by Liv Constantine. And the other one I want to recommend is actually by a Toronto-based author. It is called Framed by S.L. McInnes. How much can you trust your closest friend? Beth Montgomery seems to have the perfect life, a beautiful house in the hills above Los Angeles, a handsome, ambitious husband, and plans of starting a family. So it doesn't occur to her to worry when the news breaks of a quadruple homicide across town, a botched drug deal that leaves an undercover officer among the dead. Beth certainly would never think to tie the murders to the sudden reappearance in her life of wild, sexy Cassie Ogilvy, the estranged best friend she hasn't seen since they were college roommates. As Cassie confidently settles into Beth's new life, making herself comfortable not only in Beth's guest room, but with her husband as well, it becomes increasingly clear that her old friend has a lot to hide. But it isn't until a shocking late-night phone call and Cassie's even more startling disappearance that Beth begins to understand that her world, as she knew it, is gone forever. Unfurling over the span of three fraught, heart-pounding days, McInnes's masterful suspense debut is fast-paced and diabolically unpredictable, a fresh, surprising, and powerfully smart twist on the traditional thriller. Oh, diabolically twice in two different, um, two different descriptions. So again, Framed by S.L. McInnes, another great thriller that I would recommend. 
And the other recommendation or favorite thing that I wanted to share in this episode is is a website. They also have an app called Canva, C-A-N-V-A. And, you know, I know a lot of people out there already know about this, but I've been sharing it a bit on social media lately and some people are telling me, oh, I hadn't heard of it. Thank you. So I thought, you know what, I'll throw that in the podcast to share as well. So I have been using Canva for a few years now to do graphic design. So I consider myself a writer and I consider myself, you know, a speaker in terms of, you know, TV, podcast, that sort of thing. But the visual part of it, not my forte. And I'm willing to admit that. And, you know, there are times to source that out, but also times where I want to try to do it on my own as best I can. So I'm on Canva right at this second. And I just want to tell you some of the things in my designs that I've done. So for example, I just did some organizing of my closet, of course, after watching um, the home edit, I get organized with the home edit on Netflix. So I organized my already fairly organized main bath closet and bought some new containers and things. And so I just used Canva to make labels to stick on the containers. I picked a template they already had for labels. And then I just subbed in all my own words, like hair accessories, first aid, all of that stuff, printed them off, used them. So that sort of thing. I use it to design the logos for the podcast. I had a, a very a simple logo that I was using for the first 50 or so episodes. And then the last few episodes, I've started using a different design. And I feel like it, it shows them evolving a little bit as, as a graphic designer. Um, so I've used it for that. I use it for um, my even better project uh, Instagram post, which I'll talk about in, in a little bit. I use it for the banner at the top of my blog. I've used it for flyers for things. Eva used it to make little um, notes, Eva Scrunchie Co notes to put in the bags when people purchase that have her uh, contact information and things like that on there. I use it to make graphics when I'm doing blog posts, like my summer reading list I see on here, that sort of thing. When uh, you need an image to go with, with something that you're doing, there was a, a drive-by for our priest who retired and I needed to post a, a little invitation on Facebook. So I designed it on there. My, oh, I did a new um, media kit throughout COVID where I just took kind of an example that I found. So it's not like you're going in, a lot of stuff I used to design in Word. So you're starting with literally a white page on a screen. But for this, there's so many free templates. Now, just be careful because the odd thing you might be like, oh, I like that background or I like that image, but that one's a dollar. That one's, you know, there might be prices on there. But I would say 99.9% .9 of everything I do is just with free templates. So I would definitely check that out if... Um, you do anything at all for work or for a hobby, or if it's something that your family members might need, check out Canva, C-A-N-V-A. It's perfect. It, and you can, um, you can choose exactly what you want, like whether you need an Instagram post, whether you're looking for an invitation, whether you're trying to design a certificate, a brochure, a cover for your Facebook page, everything, all of the different uh, ideas are there. And then you can narrow it down based on, you know, style or if you want to pick a color or that sort of thing as well. So definitely would recommend Canva, C-A-N-V-A. I have noticed on the app on my phone, there are a few things that I can't do that I can do online. I don't know if that's deliberate or, you know, maybe I need to upgrade because there is a, a paid, a, a paid version of the program. If you want to go pro or, or, um, I think enterprise is even higher than that, that you can pay. But um, it also could just be that I haven't quite figured out all of the ins and outs of the app as well. But Canva is something I would recommend. If you are looking to find me on social media, I would love to be found. I am on Twitter and Facebook at This Mom Loves. 
and on Instagram at Kate This Mom Loves. My website is thismomloves.ca. There you can find blog posts, articles on a whole range of lifestyle topics, as well as a page with links to my TV appearances, my print articles that I've done for magazines, interviews where I have interviewed different uh, well-known celebrity moms, and of course there's also a page for the podcast, and you're listening to episode 55. Next up in just a quick little lifestyle segment this week, I just wanted to share that I launched what I think is a really fun Instagram account over uh, the COVID quarantine period, and it's at Even Better Project, at Even Better Project. And it took me a while to kind of come up with the name, you know, exactly where I wanted to go with this, but basically what I've put in the description is actionable tips for becoming an even better person and making the world an even better place. So I started out with daily tips back in June when it launched just to kind of get things rolling because I had so much material I was excited to push out there. And of course, with life being the way it is and also just uh, consumption being the way it is, I just thought that was a little bit too much. So I backed backed off a little bit and um, still there are posts coming out, you know, every few days or so. And so there are things I kind of call looking in. So all sorts of different tips for, you know, making yourself better um, and then things for looking out, things that you can do to help improve the world. And then I've got recommendations. So if there's some sort of book, for example, I recommended a book, um, I'm Still Here, Black Dignity in a World Made for Whiteness, or uh, One Good Deed by Erin um, McHugh was another good book. I'm just scrolling through for some some examples of things that I've done here. And then some of the um, some of the tips are things like keep a boost file. That was a, a popular one. Give a compliment, recycle your old electronics. And when I do those posts, I provide links, I provide ideas. Sometimes there's expert, um, expert feedback in there. Try a power hour, look forward to something, the joy of less paper, share a memory, comment down. Some people were uh, surprised by what that actually meant. Comment down. It's a good thing. It's not giving someone a negative down sounding comment. It's actually commenting on someone who maybe is is below you status wise or uh, followers wise, that sort of thing. A lot of people like to comment up looking for attention, maybe from, you know, supervisor at work or a more famous influencer, that sort of thing. But try to comment down, try to spread all of that love. Quotes, of course, some that you will have heard before, some that might be new. I like, for example, When One Loves, One Does Not Calculate by St. Therese of Lisieux. And of course, I uh, noted that St. Therese was not, in fact, married because I think it's pretty hard to be married and not have some sort of little mental tally chart going on in your head. Maybe that's just me. But hey, we're, uh, we're still together and growing strong, 19 years. Tips for supporting Black authors, how to observe National Indigenous History Month, following a nonprofit. I did a giveaway challenge where I asked people to enter, and then I chose three people who got $50 to support a small business. So transferred them the $50, but the deal was they had to then go out to a local or a small business, or they could do it online as well, um, and buy something and then post about it on their accounts. And so then I shared that and it was just fun and we all got to see some new uh, small businesses maybe we hadn't heard of. Amass your gift cards, get take it from a small business, phone a friend, ways to support your food bank, a lot of things that people maybe don't already know and some misconceptions people have about the best ways to support food banks. And one of my goals is really to get somebody on here to talk about that and I, I know who I want and it just hasn't uh, hasn't come to fruition yet. 
one call, more money was a tip. And then I broke that down in the text of the post. Check your bedroom temperature, send a thank you, all sorts of things like that. And there are people who, um, you know, experts who have given some contributions to that. So for example, Lisa Orr, my friend from At or Etiquette, gave some tips for why sending a thank you can be so important and, and a bit of the etiquette behind that. And then Dr. Liza, who's coming up in just a moment, gave some tips for easing tech neck. So many people working from home and maybe not set up in the most ergonomic home office situation. So she gave some tips for that as well. So if you are an expert in any sort of field that could help people become even better on the inside or um, do something better for others on the outside. I would love to hear from you if you've got a tip that you want to share, or if I can, you know, quote you in one of the posts, that would be amazing. I also love if people have good books to recommend or movies. I mean, at one point I recommended, um, the Apple TV plus series, the morning show, as well as the movie bombshell, both that kind of have the same sort of theme, the, the sexual harassment at work, that kind of thing. Um, just because it's it's eye-opening and just important to have those perspectives and that sort of thing. So all of that is fair game. would love to hear from you if there is something that you would love to contribute to that. And please go check us out on Instagram at Even Better Project. My special guest today is Dr. Liza Agboga. She is a mom who also wears many other hats and happens to design shoes and bags as well. I'm going to let her fill us in on all of the different aspects of her career in a moment, but for now, welcome Dr. Liza. Thank you for being here today. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to talk to you. You are a busy woman with lots of irons in the fire, and I noticed on Instagram one day you said that none of them are side hustles, all of them are full-time. So can you please fill us in on the different aspects of your busy career? Absolutely. I mentioned that because my main, I guess, profession is as a chiropractor and as an osteopath. So that is what people consider my full-time. But I also have a company by the same name, Dr. Liza that has shoes and bags and they are intimately linked with my work as a posture expert as well because the shoes and bags are meant to help your posture and not just help you look good but also feel good and then much like you I also do I'm a media contributor so I do some tv contribute to articles and you know that takes up part of my time as well. And I'm going to get to a whole bunch of those different points in a few moments. But before we get to that, so you are a mom as well. You have a little guy at home? Absolutely. So I have my six-year-old son, Bemi, and that is also a full-time job. <laughs> <laughs> no kidding. All right. So I know in your different capacities, you've worked with or even just met lots of famous people. And I love to hear about that. So are there any just names you can drop for um, in terms of celebrities that maybe you've worked with or even just come in contact with through all of your your different uh, jobs? Well, I mean, there are so, so many of them. But and of course, I don't mention the ones where, you know, there's no pictures or they haven't mentioned it first. But if They've shouted mm -hmm. me out on social media or they've talked about it, then I'm happy to mention their name. So there's Leah Schreiber, Jeremy, Jeremy Renner, we have Yara Shahidi, and many, many, many more. <laughs> They're actually all on my website. 
Excellent. That's so fun. Um, so recently, I know the Ellen DeGeneres show has come under some um, some fire for perhaps not necessarily treating all of their employees the way they should be treated. And you mentioned in your Instagram stories that there are a lot of celebrities out there who treat people poorly. And that, of course, you'll never tell, you know, name any names because of professionalism, which, of course, you shouldn't. I, I respect that. But can you share any, you know, without names, any of the kind of things you've seen or experienced that maybe aren't so great? Well, so many of them, especially the ones who I've worked with for years, are absolutely wonderful. And sometimes I feel like I may have a biased opinion because I'm essentially in the, you know, they're in my hands, right? And I'm looking after them, helping them feel better. So they treat me a certain way, which is very respectful and very nice. But then sometimes the encounters with my receptionist are what really raise some red flags for me. So we had one, you know, A-list actress who came into our office and we have a policy like most clinics do that if you miss an appointment and you're a no-show, then you're responsible for the cost of that appointment. And I think at the time the appointment was $50 or $60. And so when she came in for a visit and then the receptionist let her know that she had to pay for the visit where she missed. She had a complete meltdown, started yelling at the receptionist, started saying how this is the worst clinic. And it was just outrageous because, you know, for her, that's really not a significant amount, but the anger was towards her being treated like a regular patient. Right. And for us, we treat, everyone the same, right? So it doesn't matter if you're the biggest A-list celebrity or singer, or you are the housekeeper at a hotel, we treat everyone as a VIP or with the utmost service. So it's shocking to see sometimes how celebrities will turn when you actually treat them like a regular person. Interesting. Now I want to tap in a little bit to your uh, professional expertise. So a lot of us have been working from home during COVID-19 and we are doing some terrible things to our bodies in terms of posture and all of that sort of stuff. Do you have any tips that you would recommend for people who are trying to work from home without ending up with pain and, and aches all over their bodies? Absolutely. So when people are working from home, they oftentimes don't realize that they're not getting up as much as they would when they're at work. Because when people are at work, generally they, you know, they get up to go grab a coffee, to go grab lunch, to sometimes talk with their coworkers, to go to meetings. But I'm finding a lot of people when they're at home, they're literally just sitting at their desk or at their table, and many still don't have the right setup. So the most important thing first is to make sure you have a proper dedicated workstation. So whether it be an office or a corner in your place that's dedicated for your work and that has a proper ergonomic setup, that means that your computer screen is right in front of your face so that you're not looking up or looking down, that your arms can comfortably rest on either armrests on an ergonomic chair or on your table and your desk so that you're not constantly shrugging your shoulders up. And then also making sure that the area is well lit. So that's an area I find a lot of people are missing is that they have an area that's too dim. So when you have an area that's nice and bright, you don't end up hunching as much closer to your computer and your eyes don't get as fatigued. So definitely a well lit, comfortable area. And then you need to get up, right? So 
whether that means every 30 minutes, just getting up to do a couple of stretches, taking a quick walk around the place, running to use the bathroom, grabbing water, just you have to get up because no matter how great your ergonomic setup is, if you are not getting up and moving, your body will not be happy. You do a lot of TV segments to share your expertise, both in Canada and in the U.S. as well. And I'm curious to know, how did you get started in that, like taking your professional expertise onto TV? You know, it was almost an accidental thing. So when I first started in practice, oftentimes I would have, you know, news channels just reach out for an expert opinion. So whether that be a TV show or an article, and then you know, a couple years down the road, I thought, you know, there's so many valuable questions that my patients have that I'm sure so many other people would want to know. So instead of them coming to me with their questions, like, how about I pose a question to them? And that's where I started, you know, pitching segments and ideas, because I know that those were topics that my own patients, therefore the general public would want to know that information. And that's how, how it started. And it's something that I ended up enjoying. And who I would have never thought as a very shy child that I would ever be doing TV. (laughs) Well, you do a great job. Thank you. (laughs) Let's move on now to talking about your Dr. Liza shoes. Now I can confirm that they are indeed both gorgeous and comfortable. I have two pairs of the flats myself. How did the idea for these shoes come to you and how did you actually get them out there in the world? So in they, I launched the shoe line in 2017 and originally I launched with just two pairs of pumps and two years prior to that, one of my patients who is actually a VP of design just came into me and said, you know what, Dr. Liza, you are going to be the one who is going to design, finally design a comfortable woman's high heel that's actually fashionable. She's like, I know it's going to be you. And I thought, okay, you know, I just laughed about it. And then when I went home that evening, I thought that has been such a struggle for not just me, but for my patients too, because I'm in Bay Street that we want to wear our heels, but we want to be comfortable, especially because I'm on my feet all day for for work. So that's where, you know, the idea came from. And then I had to learn how to draw shoes. I had to learn about essentially the anatomy of shoes. And I already knew what needed to go into the right shoes because I'd been prescribing orthotics and modifying orthopedic shoes for 10 years prior to that point. And so that's how it came to be. And then we started with the the Dr. Liza pump, which is the high heel. And then later on came to the shorter one, which is the sneaker pump that has a two inch heel. And then based on feedback from my customers and from patients, that's when we started adding new shoes onto the line. And so we added booties and then I added the Dr. Liza flat because our customers were like, oh, well, now we have a great comfortable heel, great comfortable booties. But what about flats? Because a lot of flats are actually quite dangerous for your posture and your body if they are not supported enough. That's so great. And I know that your products have been featured in the media, all sorts of different places. I saw just recently um, a pair of your new ankle booties featured on Marie Claire, which I think is very cool. I'm just curious, do you have a heads up about that sort of thing? You know, that they're going to be featuring it or do they ask for them or do you send them out and then hope they get featured? How does that work? 
Well, so it depends on, so with some things, it's a result of a pitch and using a publicist to try and get your products out there. But with some things like the Mary Claire, they literally just found them, I guess. Uh And, you know, I, yeah, they just found them. And the only reason I knew that they featured them was because you see the backlinks through your website and where Mm -hmm. traffic is coming from. It's like, oh, where's all this traffic coming from? From Mary Claire and Yahoo. And then when you go back and you like, oh my gosh, they featured my my booty. So there's a lot of work that I did this summer as far as, you know, revamping the website, using mm-hmm. Google and all these other things to make it attractive to publications like Mary Claire. And it seems all that effort actually worked. So I was very excited about that. That's so amazing. Yeah, it was fun to see those pop up there. I have a question from Megan on Instagram who wants to know which of your shoes is your go-to just for day-to-day running errands, et cetera. Uh, For me, the most supportive of my shoes, because I have horrendous feet, so I really do need to wear proper footwear, is the Dr. Liza booty. And the reason is, is that the gait pattern and support of it is identical to that of a New Balance running shoe. So if I'm going grocery shopping, if I'm traveling, if I'm doing anything where I have to be, you know, walking miles or kilometers, it's the Dr. Liza booty for me. And you have some ergonomic bags now too. Yeah. So another issue that we found, so one of the things was women finding comfortable shoes, but also one of the biggest things I see in practice is people coming in with neck pain, shoulder pain, and back pain caused by the bags that they're wearing. And I can see it. As soon as I come out to the waiting room and I look beside and see their bag, I'm like, and then I see them pick it up and put it on. I'm like, okay, well, that's definitely part of the reason why you're in to see me. And I would, you know, recommend say, you know, you need a proper ergonomic backpack, you need a proper ergonomic bag. And they would say, you know what, I would rather be in pain than carry an ugly bag. (laughs) And so that's where the idea for the bags came to make something that was not only great for your posture, but also looks great as well. You are, in fact, a Black woman, and you have shared a lot of eye-opening information about your experiences with racism right here in Canada. And I was hoping that maybe, I know sometimes we have this, well, not in Canada, and I think lately our eyes have been opened a lot more, um, but I think some of us really still aren't quite as aware of the things that go on right in our own country. So I wondered if maybe you might have a story to share. I know you've talked before maybe about shopping experiences or maybe something else um, comes to mind when I ask this, but a story about your own experience here in Canada just to maybe help people see the racism that is still prevalent? Well, for me, I've had so many experiences myself, but one thing I wanted to highlight is what my son has had to go through, right? Because that's the thing that concerns me the most. So when he was in, I guess you'd consider daycare Montessori, and he was three years old, That's when he was getting into Spider-Man. And so all the boys in his class would uh, be, you know, pretending to shoot each other with webs, you know, like Spider-Man shoots from webs with that hand motion. Mm -hmm. And then one day when I came to pick up my son, they have little cubby boxes. And so I saw a note in the box and the note was from his teacher and it said, 
Remy said that he is going to shoot me. You need to have a talk with him at home because I found that very concerning and I was very scared and you should have a discussion with him. Now, mind you, I was the only parent who received a note. They clearly were talking about shooting webs and there is no way that a teacher should be scared of the cutest three-year-old boy. But the only reason that she wrote that note is because he was black. So I had a conversation with her and I know, unfortunately, I will be having many conversations because one of the biggest issues and why the Black Lives Matter movement is so important is the criminalization of black people. So that's my son as a three-year-old being criminalized, me being criminalized, going into stores, boarding a plane even just practicing, I'm criminalized. So it's an issue that is just as prevalent in Canada as it is anywhere else. Only in Canada, we haven't quite admitted, fully admitted that we have a big problem. Yeah. Now, I know I've heard a lot of Black moms talk about their worries for their sons, and especially as they relate to, um, you know, run-ins with police, that sort of thing. Bemi is quite young now, but have you had any sort of conversation about anything you know, in terms of this yet, or do you have plans to in the future? What are your thoughts there? Well, I've had this conversation about police just because with his pediatrician, they ask, you know, what do you want to be when you grow up? And, you know, Bemi said Spider-Man or Batman or something like that. And the pediatrician said, oh, I thought most boys at this age would want to be policemen. And Mm -hmm. I had the conversation with Bemi, that you will not be a police man, actually. And you, I had to have the talk about him about how they're not necessarily always there to help him and how he needs to interact with them. And he's only six. And I had to have that conversation with him when he was five. Because I know, unfortunately, that they're not going to look at him the same way they might another kid. Well, I'm so thrilled that you're open to talking about these sorts of things because actually I think I might have done something racist and I'm wondering if I can run it by you and get your thoughts on it. Absolutely. So in recent photos, I think you've taken them out now, but you have had your hair in beautiful braids. And a few years ago when we were in Jamaica, we had our daughters with us and got their hair done in braids. And I mean, I, the word I used for them is cornrows, and I don't know if that's the right word to use or not, but I mean, there was a salon on the resort and we hired, you know, a woman there to do it and, and paid her and everything. But then later on, quite a while later, I heard somebody say that's considered cultural appropriation. When white girls do that, that wasn't right. And I felt horrible. Um, and now, I mean, I understand totally the idea of cultural appropriation when people are stealing other people's work and profiting from it and that sort of thing. I, I hadn't thought of it in this context and I feel awful that I might've done something wrong. So I'm curious to know what your thoughts are on that. Well, I have quite a different take on that just because when you go to the Caribbean or different islands and they have these braiding services, it's actually a great revenue generator and part of the tourism. And it's great promotion for tourism in those countries. So you going on vacation and getting your hair braided and enjoying the culture is not the same as appropriation. Just like if you go to Jamaica and you are like, I love jerk chicken. It's my favorite food. That is not 
appropriation, that's appreciation. Okay. Okay. Right. So if you, and especially you had it done for your girls, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And it's something you had done in Jamaica where that's part of the tourist culture. Okay. Interesting. Right. I see absolutely nothing, nothing wrong with that. And don't get me wrong. I'm sure I've done and said all sorts of other racist things as well, but that's just one that was weighing on my mind that, uh, that I wanted to ask about because I wasn't sure. Do you think we're looking at, well, we have to, Oh, sorry. No, you go ahead. I'm just saying we just have to be very careful about separating what is true racism and what is cultural appreciation, because we don't want to stop the cultural appreciation. I mean, I think it's amazing when people who are not Black enjoy wearing African fashions and wearing their hair in braids and doing things to show that they appreciate and love the, the culture not that they are appropriating and trying to say that they are that. Mm-hmm. I'm wondering, do you think that we're looking at real change with recent movement like Black Lives Matter? And it seems like this summer things just really, you know, blew up, especially with allyship and, and lots of people who aren't um, who aren't Black trying to lend some support to the cause. Do you think there's something real happening there? Do you think that's sustainable or do you think it was a blip? Well, actually, I was just mentioning the other day that in the two months since things really took forward, I see a lot of things that are just going back. So a lot of the people or companies who two months ago were canceled for being overtly racist and known to have anti-Black sentiment, they are being forgiven by everyone at this point, right? So what change has really happened? All the conversations that I know I've had regarding, you know, my treatment over the years and people promising to change or whether it be a company or individuals, I can see two months later that none of that change has actually happened. So unfortunately, it's very disconcerting and kind of what I expected. And how do you feel about the whole kind of cancel culture idea? Like if someone's called out for something that, you know, that they have said or done that they shouldn't have, and then kind of just everybody dropping them. Do you think that that's, you know, kind of a fair, a fair response or what do you think should happen there? Well, cancel culture is a little bit tough because especially with people who have been oppressed, sometimes cancel culture is the only form of justice that they get, Mm -hmm. right? Because one of the biggest issues has been that there's no justice for Black people, and that's why you have them chant, no justice, no peace. So cancel culture, at least temporarily, gives the oppressed people some sense of justice, because that may be the only justice that they get. So I support it in some regards, but it has to be used very carefully because sometimes people start, you know, this cancel culture movement without, without actual facts or evidence. And that's very troublesome. But when there's facts and evidence to support someone being canceled, then I'm here for it. Now, I do have one last question, but before we get to that, I'm wondering, is there anything we haven't talked about today that you think we should touch on that listeners should hear? No, I think 
Everything that you've asked has been great. Okay. Sounds good. But the last thing that I always ask my guests is if they have a This Mom Loves, some sort of favorite thing to recommend to listeners, maybe a book you've read or an app you love, a beauty product, anything that you want to recommend. Well, I'm going to recommend Precious Threads by Aviola. So you may have heard me talk about her before. She's a fashion designer who I'm absolutely obsessed with. And she herself is a mom and someone who has escaped from domestic violence twice. So her line of clothing goes to employ other domestic abuse survivors and portions go back to help those women as well. And her fashions are amazing. She has masks that you can wear that even have matching head wraps. And they're vibrant wax prints, so like the African fabric. And it's okay for everyone to wear them (laughs) and appreciate them. (laughs) Thank you. That is good to know. All right. Well, I will have links in the show notes for all of the different places that you can find Dr. Liza Egboga and all uh, all of her businesses and social media accounts. Dr. Liza, thank you so much for being here today. Thank you so much for having me, Kate. This was a pleasure. Now, before I let you go, because we are at the end, but you're going to want to hold on for a second. I always say at some point in this little uh, wrap-up spiel, please rate and review the show. It's so important. It really does help more people see it. It moves up the rankings on the different platforms and all that stuff. So I'm going to try something fun. If you have left a review for This Mom Loves, or if you do, moving forward, leave a review on Apple Podcasts, say, or wherever you listen. I don't know how all the reviews work on, on the other platforms, but Apple Podcasts is an example. If you have left a review, screenshot it for me, send it to me so you can message it to me on Instagram at Kate This Mom Loves. You can um, message me on Twitter at This Mom Loves, Facebook at This Mom Loves. Send it to me somehow, and I'll acknowledge that I received it. And what I'm going to do is pick a few of them to um, pick some winners and send some little gift cards, Tim Hortons gift cards. And even if you're not a coffee drinker, you can always find some sort of nice treat at Tim Hortons. So what I'm going to do is pick five people and send them all $10 Tim Hortons gift cards. So let's say anybody that I hear from by October 15th. And you know what? I'm going to have a lovely listener base, but it's not huge. So your chances are very, very good. Um, winning a prize because a lot of people I know it's just not something that they think to do to take the time to actually leave a review so if you leave a review of this mom loves the podcast wherever you listen to podcasts take a screenshot of it please message it to me I'll let you know that I received it and I will be picking five winners and sending them $10 Tim Hortons gift cards so thank you so much thank you for being here and listening thank you to my guest Dr. Liza Boga. as I mentioned all the things that I talked about in this episode so the books and Canva, Even Better Project, all of the places to find Dr. Liza Egboga and all of her um, all of her ventures. I will have it all in the show notes at thismumloves.ca slash podcasts. And this is episode 55. Thank you as always to Lucas Sound, the company who does my sound editing and makes the show sound so good. And again, thank you to all of you for being here. Until next time, please take care of yourselves.